You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 775 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on a Thursday evening into Friday morning. And today's show is brought to you by Built Bar, a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code Locked On to get $10 off on your first order. The NBA draft was supposed to be today. As I record this, and in honor of that, most of today's show will be part one of a two-part primer that I uh, am doing with uh, Zach Hood of Peachtree Hoops and the Step Back about the NBA Drafts Big Man. If you missed it from a few weeks ago, we did a similar show, Zach and I, on the combo forward types in this class, and we'll hit the wings and the guards later, but today is going to be part one of two on the big men. But before we get to Zach, some news to catch up on. Um, as sort of a follow-up to our last show with Sam Vecini of The Athletic, which I had a great time uh, recording, honestly, the other day. Hopefully everybody enjoyed that one. If you haven't heard that one, go back and listen to it. It was a lot of fun to talk about. Uh, Sam released a uh, the top 50 prospect rankings that he alluded to on that show. That came out on Thursday morning. Um from a Hawks standpoint, all five of the of the team's young players landed in the top 39 on that list, which is pretty encouraging, all things considered, given the way the Hawks are rebooting their team. And uh, as always, the list is not perfect in the way that I would have it. Uh, Sam is someone I think is really smart. Um, but still, there's always going to be quibbles with everyone uh, in terms of how, the, how you evaluate a prospect list. For instance, like I would definitely have John Collins a little bit higher ahead of guys like Karis LeVert and Jamal Murray. Regardless, um, it's all back and forth, but I think in general, it's pretty clear listening to him on this podcast, also reading his material, that Sam's pretty high on the Hawks, and uh, that's definitely worth a full look. Um, Also think it's interesting to sort of note right now that uh, according to Sam's numbers, Cam Reddish is now fourth in terms of the 2019 draftees. I'm not sure if that's a pure redraft setting, but he's now fourth on that list among the guys who were drafted last year behind only uh, Zion. John Morant and R.J. Barrett, and then DeAndre Hunter is still seventh on that list among 2019 guys with uh, him landing behind Kobe White and Brandon Clark. So some so, some pretty serious love there still for those guys. Also Kevin Herter at 36 overall, John Collins at 20, Trey Young, of course, headlining the list at number five overall and a pretty appropriate ranking, I think, for Trey. And obviously, you know, we, I, think, I think everybody that heard the podcast would know that Sam is very high on Trey and he wrote about him having a Hall of Fame trajectory. So that tells you everything you need to know about Trey Young. Okay, uh, other news. Uh, in fact, this actually came on, on Wednesday. Omar Wilkes became or is becoming the head of basketball for Clutch Sports. If you don't know who that is, he is the agent or was the agent for Trey Young and Cam Reddish as well as Anthony Edwards over at Octagon Sports. Um, as sort of a non-Hawks thing as part of this, but uh, Rich Paul, who is, of course, LeBron's longtime agent, um, is now expanding his profile apparently beyond basketball even more as Clutch's overall CEO. But shortly after that news, um, Chris Haynes of Yahoo reported that Trey Young was going to be mulling a decision on whether to stay with Octagon, where Wilkes was previously working. Um, and basically from there, on Thursday, Haynes reported that Young has, quote, severed ties, end quote, with Octagon, and, quote, appears to be on a pathway, end quote, to joining Clutch Sports. No big surprise there, considering that's, that would be sort of, his, uh, I guess, in theory, following his own agent to a new, to a new uh, place of representation. Still, Haynes did report that he'll be weighing options as far as Trey Young will be is concerned, and he's not in a huge rush. But something to monitor there. Um, nothing, you know, unlike some of the agent changes, they're like up on free agency. Trey won't be available for agency for a very long time, presumably, considering he's probably going to get a massive 
uh, extension from the Hawks whenever he is allowed to be offered that, etc. But something that uh, I know the diehards always like to monitor the agent stuff in the background. So there you go on that. Also, Trey was a part of a meeting on Tuesday between the NBA and the NBPA that the league announced as a discussion, quote, to further advance the league's collective response to the social justice issues in our country. And part of that was ongoing discussions, quote, to address the game's role in facilitating solutions to the, pers- to the persistent inequities plaguing the black community, end quote. Um, that meeting featured Adam Silver, Mark Tatum, and other executives on the league side, as well as um, Michelle Roberts, Chris Paul, Andre, Andre Godala, Malcolm Brogdon, Donovan Mitchell, CJ McCollum on the player side. So good to see Trey being active in those discussions. Last thing before we get back to uh, the conversation that I had with Zach, uh, Vince Carter officially announced his retirement on the Winging It podcast with my good friend and pal Annie Finberg on Thursday. Obviously, we knew this already. And it wasn't going to be huge breaking news, but at the same time, it's a good, interesting conversation with Annie and Vince on a bunch of different stuff. And the Hawks released a statement sort of, sort of formally acknowledging Vince's retirement. I'm going to read it to you now. Over the last two years, Vince Carter has been a committed leader, respected mentor, influential example on the court, in the locker room, and in the Atlanta community. Throughout his historic 22-year journey covering unprecedented four different decades, his evolving career arc was perhaps like none other in the league history, from top five draft pick to rookie of the year, to slam dunk champion, to superstar, and eight-time all-star, to Twyman Stokes teammate of the year, and valuable role player. It's an honor to the Hawks organization that he completed his Hall of Fame career wearing Atlanta across his chest and representing our city, end quote. So a pretty nice acknowledgement there from the Hawks. I know a lot of people love Vince, so I want to make sure that I pass along that information. Obviously, again, not a huge surprise, but uh, that podcast is worth a listen, and I really enjoyed sort of hearing Vince go uh, in, in sort of a deep dive form and pretty introspective on that show. And I have a feeling I'll be hearing Vince in the media pretty soon. I'm not sure how soon, but uh, he's certainly someone who's done a little bit of media already, and I expect him that, that to be his next step in the future. So uh, Godspeed to Vince Carter. Okay, before we get to Zach, I want to tell you about the sponsors for today's podcast. Built Bar is a is the best tasting protein bar ever, and there are almost endless reasons to love Built Bar. In addition to the incredible taste that Built Bar brings, it is perfect for anyone that's trying to be health conscious with the ability to lose or maintain weight while still indulging in something that tastes absolutely delicious. Every bar is low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. It's making things even better. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Part of that is because each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and unlike some of the, some of the other competitors in the space, Built Bars are very soft and easy to chew. My personal favorite is banana nut bread flavor, but there are tons of other great options. In fact, there are 16 amazing flavors to choose from, and they all present their own appeal that everyone can fall in love with. I would fully recommend Built Bar in order to check it out for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off on your first order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. It's a perfect day to try Built Bar. Today's episode is also brought to you by the good folks at Blinkist because it's hard to find the time to sit down and read and learn more. When you don't have the free time, you can't work on personal development or read or do anything that you want to to sort of make yourself better. There's an incredible app, though, that solves that problem. It's one of the ultimate life hacks, and I highly recommend it, and it's called Blinkist. Blinkist is unique. It works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser, and it takes the best key takeaways from thousands of nonfiction books and brings them down in just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. That is huge for busy people like you who want to get the main points of a book in a hurry so they can just start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during your commute, on your lunch break, or even while you're exercising. 12 million people are already using Blinkist right now. It has a massive growing library that features all kinds of varied offerings. Blinkist has the latest titles from bestseller lists and classic nonfiction options that you always meant to read, but you can never find the time to actually open. 
With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to the entire library, all the books you want, and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience as well. Go to Blinkist.com NBA to try it free for seven days and save 25% off a new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com NBA to start a seven-day free trial. And from there, you'll also save 25% off when you sign up at Blinkist.com NBA. All right, and without further ado, here is part one of my two-part conversation with Zach Kud of Peachtree Hoops and the Step Back, breaking down the big men in the 2020 NBA draft class. Zach, thanks as always for joining me, sir. How are you feeling on this fine Thursday evening? Doing all right. How are you, Brad? You know, living the dream, uh, as always. At this point in time, we're all just trying to do what we can these days. Um, you know, as I, as I teased before I brought you in, our plan today is to continue this sort of Primer series on the NBA draft talking about, you know, basically what it's going to end up being is like the top 80, probably maybe even more prospects um, that we're going to touch on along the way. If you missed this again, uh, we did an episode on forwards earlier on. Now we're going to split the bigs into two episodes um, and probably do that moving forward because try not, try not to go too, too long on all these uh, single episodes, but plan to get to, and the bigs are really interesting in this class um, just for everybody's purposes we're going to probably save the uh, the lottery guys or at least the guys who are in contention for the lottery for part two but there's plenty of guys that are interesting and uh, big names to talk about here uh, before we dive in though what do you make of the bigs because obviously big men have been devalued a little bit at least in some circles but at the same time there's at least two or three in this in this draft that are uh, i would say virtual locks to go top 10 and uh, so it's not like the big men have gone away. It's just that maybe the guys in the middle have maybe dropped a little bit. How do you feel about this class overall? I mean, I actually think there is a little bit of depth. I mean, because I'm looking at the list that you, you know, we have for this podcast. And Jalen Smith is the sixth name on the list. And Killian Tilly is the seventh name on the list. And pretty much after the 18th or the 20th pick, I mean, I'd be happy getting either one of those guys. So yeah. I don't think... You know, I know this isn't like the best draft, but I, I think, you know, if you're sitting in the 20 or to 30 range and you're looking at bringing in a big guy, I mean, I think, you know, you have multiple names you think could definitely be there. Yeah, and I think, um, and we'll talk about some of these guys specifically, of course, but, you know, there are also some really big names from college basketball that people are going to be interested in that probably um, might be, you might be surprised by how low they may go or how low we may have them on our collective board. But at the same time, you know, there's still roles for guys who slip a little bit. Like, for instance, we'll get into him, but like someone like Yudoka Azubuki, who was a great college player and probably won't be drafted very high. But there's a role in the league for that guy as a backup center who can really be effective offensively. Like, he's not going to be a top 30 pick, or at least he shouldn't be. But there's even roles for guys like that, or Nick Richards from Kentucky. Like, these guys are draftable players. They're just not necessarily... Uh, the sexiest names in the modern NBA, but they're still, uh, you have to have enough bigs. If you look around the league, something we talked about a lot with the Hawks, even, you know, there's always a guy, there's always a need for depth, big men, like, because you have to have, uh, unless you're the Rockets and you just completely eschew big men altogether, you still have to have some depth at the position. So, uh, you know, it may not be sexy, but they, these guys still have roles, uh, somewhere, along, somewhere along the lines if they can play. Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree. And in, in this specific class, uh, I mean, there's, you know, like obviously the guys like Wiseman and Okongwu at the top, but, you know, once you get into that Smith, Tilly, Stewart, a lot of people are really high on Stewart. 
and then Najee. Once you get into that range, I mean, someone is going to get a steal because one of those guys is going to pan out for sure. I mean, if not more than one, but there's just at least one of this group of, you know, I guess right around the seven to 12 range, as far as the big men are concerned. Uh, I actually think, you know, more than one of those guys will stick in a rotation somewhere, but someone's going to scoop up uh, a value for sure. Yeah. And uh, you know, there is definitely some divides in this group. Like, you know, if, depending on where you look, whether it's the mainstream sources, your ESPNs, your the athletics, then you get into the, you know, still people that do this quite a bit. And there are some divides. Like, you'll see someone like Xavier Tillman, who we're going to talk about later on in the podcast. I've seen Xavier Tillman, like, as low as, like, 50 on a, on a, on a mainstream board, and I have him quite a bit higher than that. Um, guys like Killian Tilly, who are injury risks, um, could go all over the place based on the medicals we don't have. Like Isaiah Stewart's a great example, like you mentioned before. Stewart, will get, you'll see him mocked in the top 20, and then you'll see him on people that we trust uh, maybe not even be drafted. Like, I think he's going to get drafted, but just it kind of just tells you how big the divide is, especially on pure big men in the modern NBA, because you get some, uh, some definitely uh, severely varying opinions on these guys. But all right, let's dive in a little bit on some players. I'm going to throw a few names at you that we're just going to touch on very briefly because I think they're probably going to be fringe second rounders to probably undrafted guys. And maybe even a couple of them will go back to school. Um, I wrote down uh, John Teske because he's a Michigan guy who I've always enjoyed. He probably gets undrafted. Um, you have Mamadi Akite from Virginia, who was obviously, you know, kind of a famous college player because he was on a title winning team with DeAndre Hunter. Um, Luca Garza, who was a legitimate national player of the year candidate this year and may go back to school. But if he doesn't, he's probably not going to get drafted, I would imagine. And then guys like Caleb Wesson from Ohio State and Nick Richards um, from Kentucky. And I think Richards probably is going to get drafted. Or if not, he'll be close. Um, anybody that you like out of that five? Semi- did you write about Richards? I think you did. Um, these five guys, I, I'm not trying to purposely lump, lump them together, but they're all like kind of well-known college players that are in the draft and may not have a spot. Yeah, I mean, I would have Diakite number one out of that group, even though I do like Richards. I think, I don't know, Diakite, his shot came a long way last year, and that was really the first season he had, like, really, you know, been someone that Virginia needed to score. So I just, I think he's still kind of untapped as to where Richards, I think you can kind of see what he's going to be. But Richards would be number two for me. And after that, I don't know. I like Weston's shooting, but I, I just like – I really worry about the rest of his game. I don't know if he can defend, and I don't know if he – he might just be like Ryan Anderson. Like, I don't – so, I don't know. I would maybe have him three just because that, that shooting tool is – he is a – you know, was a 42% shooter or something like that this year. And then, you know, I would have to go Garza and then Teske. But Garza is one of those guys where – I mean, he's scoring like 20, 23 points a game. I just like, I have no idea how it's going to translate. I don't know what he's like with Wesson. It's a lot easier to look at him and be like, okay, I know what he could do on an NBA court. I don't know. I mean, Garza, I mean, I don't know. I feel less confident about him shooting NBA threes, I guess. Yeah, I'm guessing that Garza is going to go back to school. Uh, he did an interview with Gary Parish of CBS where he didn't say he was going to go back, but I think he understands 
what he is not in terms of a prospect right now and where he probably won't go. Um, and he'll be an awesome college player if they even have college, even if, if they have college basketball this year. Um, but yeah, Wesson, Wesson shooting is real. I think you worry about his defense, of course. He's not, you know, it's not that he's small, but I think he's what's, I think he's like 6'9", and he's definitely a center. So that's a question, but he is physical and can shoot it and, and can pass it. You can kind of like that in the second round. Um, I think Teske's defense would be interesting. I'm not sure if he can help you at all on offense. So he's like a pure, um, you know, third big that can just play defense for you. About to be about it. I'm kind of with you on Diakite. I'd probably rather have... Richards, but at the same time, Diakite is just pretty versatile defensively. More of a combo big, to be sure, but someone who did get better. He's just kind of old, I believe. I think Diakite was a was he a four year player? I'm looking it up now. Um, yeah, he was a four year player at Virginia, so he's not. He's obviously a lot of these guys are older, but he is a uh, much older. So keep that in mind as well. Um, would you put any of these guys that I'm about to name in that same group? Because, like, in general, I'm talking, the group we just talked about are mostly guys in the 50s or undrafted. Um, I'm going to throw three more names at you that are kind of all over the place, depending on who you ask. And that is Reggie Perry of Mississippi State, Burning Carey of Duke, who was a huge recruit and was really productive in college, but defensively is kind of a mess. And then you have Azubuki, who we brought up before. Do you like any of those three guys, or, or would they be in that bin for you of like late second rounders to undrafted players? Uh, I mean, I, I think they're a little a little better than DK Terry Richards. I mean, there's just a little more offensive potential especially with Kerry and Izabuki. Um I still I don't know. I would have Diaki. I might move Diakite up with those guys. But I think it's, you know, fair to have, you know, those three tiered higher in general. I I like Perry. I just like I don't like how Mississippi State played with two bigs a lot. Yeah, so he's he's say, a tough I, evaluation I, for that reason and because of his de- I mean his defense is kind of a mess. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think I would agree that you know that those three should get drafted, and they yeah. wouldn't be in that category of people that would not get drafted. But at the same time, it won't surprise me if, especially Carey or Azubuki. Um, well, I say it would surprise me if Carey didn't get drafted. But if Azubuki didn't get drafted, I wouldn't be shocked because after a certain point, um, you know. Teams could just say, "We'll sign him," or whatever. I mean, after forty-five, like nothing really has to make sense. Like anybody, <laughs> yeah, could, anybody could slip out. Anybody could slip out. Like anybody also could go, get drafted. Like someone you have ranked one hundred and tenth could get drafted fiftieth. I mean, you know, the last fifteen picks is just like whatever. Yeah, especially the last ten. Like it's basically if people that may not understand what we're talking about, I'll just kind of say it again. You know. Last year, for instance, the great example is Terrence Davis, who essentially they his him and his agent did not want to get drafted. They were telling teams not to draft him from about forty five on, because it's often better for second round picks to not be drafted and get to choose their spot than to be drafted in the fifties where they're not guaranteed anything. Um, so it gets it can be it can be kind of silly season in the fifties. You know, sometimes guys get picked and that works out for them, and uh, but you'll see you'll see more stashes. In the 50s, you'll just see a kind of just more weirdness and hard to project stuff. So keep that in mind always. Um, yeah, as for Carey, I mean, Carey is the biggest name. Um, obviously, playing at Duke helps that and being a five star prospect. He's a pretty interesting offensive player, but th- I can't stress to you enough how bad his defense was in college. And I, I just don't know if it's ever going to work in the NBA. Like the comp that I've seen for him, 
um, as an idea, not necessarily a perfect comp is like Enos Cantor. If it's going to work, it's got to be that basically for Vernon Carey. Like everyone knows Cantor's a terrible defender, but he's so good at, at other things like offensive rebounding and finishing and stuff like that, where he can still carve out an NBA role. But Cantor is bigger than Carey. That's my, that'd be my concern. Like Carey's maybe six ten. It's not that he's small, but if, if he can't guard, it gets to be uh, kind of an adventure. At least with Azabuki, he's he's bigger. Uh, probably a better athlete, and Perry has a lot more versatility in theory um, as someone who could play a little bit, a little bit more on the, on the perimeter um, offensively. But uh, defense is definitely the question for Perry and Carey. Fer- I guess they, I guess that rhymes for Perry and Carey. Uh, Azabuki's just kind of uh, a one-note player, like not in a bad, bad, bad way. But he was certainly just like he's just a lob threat offensively. Probably a better defensive prospect than the other two, but not necessarily the skill level of the other, of the other two on offense. Yeah, I mean, I think all three of these guys you kind of looking at like a drop coverage. I mean, none of these guys really are going to play on the perimeter. So, and I, that's why they're in this range. I mean, if Vernon Carey could do things on the perimeter, he would probably be a lottery pick. So. Oh yeah. I mean, Carey's like, Carey's pedigree alone, like, and that's, you know, I think we both, I think we both said it, but you know, Carey's going to get drafted almost certainly because guys with his pedigree that produced the way he did at Duke are, they're just going to get drafted. Now, where that works out is something entirely different. I think Perry is the one um, that has a little bit more upside as a defender. Like, I don't really see it, but at least, you know, he did play some four, to your point, this year. It was not great evaluation, but, like, I can at least potentially see him being okay on the perimeter. I I don't see that happening, but at least he has the tools a little bit more than the other two guys do. But uh, people that listen to this podcast know how how I feel about defense in general, and Perry and Carrier are tough sells to me as a result of that. And for the Hawks, because this is still a Hawks podcast at the end of the day, we're going to talk about the draft in general for the most part, but um, none of these guys make sense for the Hawks, really, especially if they still have Bruno on the roster. They don't They don't need to draft another pure center that has defensive questions like and not, not a ton of upside. So anybody we've named so far, you could talk me into DKT probably as the one guy that maybe the Hawks could, could, uh, could or should consider because he's at least kind of versatile, maybe play some four defensively. But this is not a range that the Hawks need to be uh, focusing on for me. You know who Reggie Perry actually like reminds me of a little bit, and I haven't watched like you know a bunch of full games, so you know, if this isn't like perfect, forgive me. But he kind of reminds me of Spellman. Yeah, I can kind of see that. I mean, Spellman, I think, was a better defender in college. Um, yeah, if I believed in Perry shooting as much as I believed in Spellman shooting coming out, I would probably like Perry more. Um, yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I think Spellman was definitely a little bit better prospect. Obviously, he's coming off yeah. a, a championship as like a key, you know, piece. But but, but even then, I had Spellman like fifty two on my on my board that year. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I just, just mean like in a, in a consensus sense, yeah. like he was he was not going to get drafted fifty two probably. No, he was not going to go that far. And and Perry, I think will go. I think if I had to bet, Perry will get drafted. You could find people that think Perry is a first round pick. I, I don't see that. But I could at least understand why he was very productive. This is a first-team All ICC guy, um, not quite to the level of Carey in terms of pedigree, but still a big-time, you know, high school prospect that became a pretty good college player. Obviously, so it's just more of a relic of what we we're talking about before. All three, the, all three of these guys, Perry, Carey, and Azubuki, were high major conference players that were very, very good in college. That are slipping because of what they presumably can't do. Like you can't say for sure that, they, that these guys have weaknesses, but um, most likely, at least on, on their projection, they're going to have things in the NBA that, that they just can't do very well, and those skill sets are not as valued as they used to be. 
Yeah, no, I would agree. I, I think Perry might actually be like the quickest if he could, especially if he could get like an NBA body because he's a little bit puffy. So I think Perry is probably, I mean, even though he's not the blue blood, you know, guy that averaged 20 points a game, I think he might be the guy I would, I would want out of these three guys. Yeah, I, I think I would probably agree with you on that. I think he is probably the guy with the highest upside. Um, and it's kind of weird for me to say, I think Azubuki is the safest of the three. Um, I just think he's could be a backup center. It's not that I'm thinking he's going to be a starter, but I, I think if you told me that he was a, a backup center that was effective in what he did for eight years in the NBA, I would not be surprised at all. So if somebody takes any of these guys in the 40s or 50s, it's totally fine. Um, I think I would pick Azubuki as like the highest median outcome of these guys, but upside-wise, I would agree it's probably Perry. Okay, um, before we get into the rest of the uh, of the board in this range, I want to tell you about the good folks at RockAuto.com. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, whether it's for your classic car, your daily drive, rockauto.com has everything you need. Just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. One reason people choose to repair and maintain their own cars is to save money that can be used for other important stuff. So why would you choose to spend more or even much more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? Chain stores often have different price tiers for pro mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but at rockauto.com, prices are always the same for everybody. Um, and that will never change. RockAuto.com's catalog is also remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, choose the brands, the specs, and the prices that you prefer. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or even an account login. Again, and best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for, for pros and do-it-yourselfers. So why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, RockAuto.com. All right, Zach, let's continue and move up a, move up the board a little bit. Um, I'm not sure if this is all one tier, but I'm just going to name the guys that we're going to talk about the rest of the way on the podcast and kind of explain why on all of them. Um, this is not an, this is not in particular order, but uh, Daniel Oturu of Minnesota, Zeke Naji of Arizona, Isaiah Stewart, who we talked about before from Washington, Killian Tilly of Gonzaga, Jalen Smith of Maryland and Xavier Tillman of Michigan state. We're going to save precious to um, for the part two, uh, not, well, I'll, I'll speak for myself, not because I have him that high, but because a lot of mainstream boards have Achua as a potential lottery pick. Um, spoiler alert, I do not have him that high, but uh, we're going to save him for the uh, second podcast because of where he is often mocked, and we'll group him up there. Um, so that, those are the guys we're going to talk about. Um, as a way to get into this, who is the favorite for you? I know they're all kind of different in some ways, but who do you have ranked the highest of the group that I just talked about? Because of Tilly's medical, I have Jalen Smith ahead of him. And then I have Tilly second. And let's see. Look at the rest of the group. Yeah, I probably have – actually, I probably have Jalen Smith first, then Tillman, then Tilly. Then uh, – or we can stop there if you want to talk about – Yeah, we'll, we'll, keep, we'll, yeah. Keep, we'll keep going. I, I kind of agree. I think Smith – and just for the record, if you, if you guys don't know, if people listening don't know all about these prospects, uh, Smith is definitely 
less of a pure center than most Smith and Tilly are the guys who are not like pure centers. They can certainly play center. Um, and they're bigs, I think on both counts, but, um, Smith, you could maybe even see playing the four, same with Tilly, at least some at the NBA level. Those guys are uh, more perimeter based on offense. They're definitely skilled. Um, I, I, I agree. I think that Smith is the consensus top guy maybe on this list of guys that I just named um, maybe Stewart's up there as well but uh, I, I would personally go Smith then Tillman as well maybe even Tillman ahead of Smith I love Tillman and we'll, we'll get into him in a second um, but before we get to those guys since we just gave away the store um, let's talk about Daniel Latouru who I know is a, a Jeff Siegel favorite but um, is definitely divisive among draft Twitter people Latouru is a guy who was routinely discussed like at the end of the first round in mainstream circles and often talked about like you know, in the sixties or something like that for draft Twitter. It's because of what he is and what he isn't in terms of modern bigs. And this is the same thing we talked about before with a lot of these guys, but Oturu was, was incredibly productive this year at Minnesota kind of came out of nowhere, but he has some real weaknesses. Um, defensively, it's not ideal. I don't think his passing is non-existent. And uh, for me, you kind of have to buy his shooting to have him projected as, as like even like an early second round pick. So what do you think of Oturu? Uh, I wouldn't pick him, but that's I don't think he's like undraftable. I just because you're talking about the passing, just I just I don't know. I don't I don't like that. Like I like floor awareness and like the ball moving around quick and uh he's not gonna be a big time scorer, I don't think. So I just don't he's not really my type of player. I would I would probably not bring him in. But I think I would have him in the range of like down with Carey and uh Azubuki and those guys. I, I don't necessarily think that he won't shoot, but I don't know if he's going to do enough other things to really make it where it's like, oh, we need this guy out here, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I kind of agree. I think I, I have him a little bit higher than you, and I know I'm higher than draft Twitter, but I'm also lower than the, I guess, the mainstream consensus. Like, I would consider Oturu in the second round. I would not, you know, take him in the first, almost certainly. Um, you know, I, I get it offensively. Like, I think he actually could be a really good post scorer. The question is like, whether you want to do that in the NBA It's like run stuff through Daniel Turu. He was very productive for a reason in college and he's a little bit bigger than some of the other guys. His shooting touch is pretty, pretty solid. I think I actually kind of buy it at the same time. Is that going to, that whole package going to give you what you want because of the passing and because I don't like his defense all that much. His wingspan's fine, but if he's not a average defensive center, it's not going to work for me. Um, if he is, then maybe you can talk me into him being like a quality backup big man. That wouldn't blow me away at all. But um, I'm kind of with you in some ways that he's not someone I would I would prioritize. Although I do like him more than some of the uh, some of our, our friends on on draft Twitter who've been, even been on this podcast. Um, it's just kind of I'm kind of in the middle, which is not a huge surprise. But I probably have him like the in the 40s which is fine. I just don't think you're going to get him. I mean, I think realistically he's going to get drafted probably in the first round or if not the first round, like in the thirties. I don't know. Yeah. He's just, to me, he's just like, if it's picking between him or Tilly or Jalen Smith, it's such an easy decision for me. I mean, Jalen Smith was like, I don't know if when the season ended, if he was still the only player, but I know at one point he was the only player with, I think it was, 33 pointers made in 70 blocks or something like I mean, he just, he's really dynamic and he's also, um, like you said, he's lighter, which 
mean, you could say Otoro is bigger, has a positive, positive for him, but at the same height, but Smith is like a, a better, more athletic, like uh, just someone who could actually get out on the perimeter. And I just think he does so many more things. And then Tilly, I'm just, you know, I, I almost at the point Tilly's going to be drafted. I just think you, if you like him, you just do it because the medical, I mean, the medical's not guaranteed, but neither is anything in the 30s or the 40s. Yeah, I mean, that, that is the big question. I know I said it a, a little bit earlier, but Tilly was has been injured pretty much his entire college career at different times. Uh, he came in actually for a workout before the 2019 draft in Atlanta, and I talked to him a little bit at that workout. He actually got hurt in that workout and ended up going back to, ended up going back to school. Um I've always loved him, um, and by the way, if you want to read more about him, we had a deep dive from Andrew Kelly at Peace Hoops about Tilly. Um, he's really skilled, and I think if you've watched him enough, um, everyone kind of agrees that if he didn't have health questions, he'd probably be a first-round pick, and I, I like him. He does everything well, honestly. like He's like a really, really modern player um, who is 6'10", and you know, is just skilled. He's a great shooter. He... He, he he makes all the right reads as a passer. Defensively, he's like he's better than you think he would be as kind of a skinny guy. Um, team defense wise, he's really good. I think he's kind of an ideal modern role player. It's just whether he stays healthy or not. But I'm with you. I mean, teams are always going to have more info than you and I are going to have on medicals, especially. And but this year, it might not be as easy as that. Like if there's no combine. Tilly might get hurt by that because everyone's going to know that he's been hurt. And if they don't have good medical on him, that's going to probably sting him a little bit. But I'm with you. At some point, you just have to do it anyway because of what it could be if the medical doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, you can sit there and, like, know Tilly knows how to play and worry about the medical. Or you can, you know, you can take Isaiah Stewart and he literally might never figure out how to play basketball. <laughs> All right, so let's, let's, talk, let's talk about him. So Isaiah Stewart um, – is another guy that has a huge split between the consensus mainstream and draft Twitter. Stewart is a six nine center from Washington. He's really he's really young. He was a but he was a five star prospect coming out of high school. McDonald's All American kind of guy. Um, had great counting numbers, great efficiency numbers at Washington. But um, people are worried about the translation. He he plays really hard. That's one thing that you like about Isaiah Stewart. He is physical and strong. And guys bounce off of him, and he plays hard. But I just the question is what he looks like in the NBA because he was playing a weird two-three zone defense at Washington. Like think about the Syracuse defense; that's what Washington plays, and that's not great for evaluation. You throw in the lack of you know raw raw size for him, and you throw in the uh, you know the offensive stuff away from away from the basket. There's not much there offensively for Stewart. So you, in the, at the end of the day, you have a six-nine guy who was able to out-physical a lot of people at the college level, but that, that may not translate a whole lot. If it doesn't translate a whole lot, I'm not sure what the next play is. Yeah, I don't – I understand why he was a five-star recruit for college, but like I just think people sometimes – like those ratings are for college basketball. That the Same thing with Vernon Carey. Like, and they were right. Like Both these guys were great players in college, but – I don't. I just the way the league is, has went, and I, I just don't see it coming back. I don't. I mean, Stewart is draftable, but I don't think he's like even in the discussion with Jalen Smith or like a healthy Tilly. I mean, it's just to me like what I really believe in from a building standpoint is like 
not identical to Travis Slink, where he, you know, he's said dribble, pass, and shoot a bunch of times. But <laughs> I, I definitely like agree with it. With that, like, I wouldn't if if one of the one of the player one prospect can do everything, and the other prospect can do a couple things. I mean, what are you even deciding? Like, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, uh... it's not if Stewart was so good that. You know, you took him anyway. He would be way higher on the board. I think at his point on the board, it's like you could find someone who is just more, you know, developed and more catered to the way the game is played now. Yeah, he's just not a super modern player at the moment. Like, you know, it might work out. I've heard he's a hard worker, um, but I just, I'm with you. I think if you, if we knew Tilly was healthy, I would certainly like Tilly more I still like Tilly more anyway but um it'd be even more clear if we knew Tilly was healthy that's the biggest question with him um I want to mention I want to make sure we talk about Zeke Nagy real quick he's another kind of different player um you know he's more of a 6'10 combo guy um not a pure center but certainly will have to play some center in the NBA I would imagine um but really fluid um a really smooth looking jump shot uh, a good finisher this year at Arizona um, defensively, another guy who has not um, always been fantastic, but offensively there's a lot of skill there, especially if you buy the jump shot. And I think people do generally buy the jump shot. So if you, you know, 6'10 guy who can really move fluidly, almost shoot on the move, and then, uh, you know, not, not a ton of strength there, but if you think, if you think defensively that it, can, it could be just okay, he's someone who could help you. Yeah, he kind of like, I don't know. He he reminds not he doesn't really remind me of Bruno, but just the way some of his film he looks a little bit like Bruno. Like the way he's big, but he can still he can do stuff that you don't think he could do. Just you know from first looking at him, I I, I definitely have him ahead of Stewart and ahead of Oturu. Well, probably you know he's probably that next guy behind Smith and Tilly and Tillman and now you know all the guys that we started talking about. I don't know. It's. I think Najee's really hard for me to evaluate in a lot of ways because, you know, he looks good shooting it, but the numbers weren't great. And, like, I think he needs to be able to shoot at a high level for it to work. And that's the thing. Like, the people that like Najee buy the jump shot. And if you don't like, if you don't like Najee, you may not buy the jump shot. And it's not always that easy, but this one is a situation where I'm worried enough about his defense where I have to be pretty confident about his jumper to take him in the first round. And he's often mocked in the first round, and I get that too. But um, I still like um, especially Tillman and Smith better and probably Tilly better if the, if the medical works out. I think he would be probably next for me. I would probably have it, you know, Tillman, Smith, and their own mini tier of these guys, then Tilly, then Najee, and then probably – uh, maybe still Stewart. I don't know. I don't love anybody, but beyond that, it's like kind of a mess altogether. But the guys who I know I would take in the top 45 on this entire list that we're talking about today are Tillman Smith, Tilly and Najee. And that might be it. Yeah, no, I agree. I actually would have had it in that exact order. You just said with Stewart, you know, fifth. Yeah. Um, it's kind of how I feel too. I mean, Oturu I think was is in the same spot as Stewart. I I do like Oturu and Stewart a little bit better 
and maybe maybe Reggie Perry would be in that group too. Like I think those guys are a little bit better in terms of if you're, if you're swinging for upside, I think you could put Perry there. If you're not, maybe you put Azubuki there with them. But there are only those those five, those four guys that I would definitely take in the top 45. And for the Hawks at 52, um, just to be practical, like I doubt they're going to take any of these guys. Um, I think the only player on this list that the Hawks realistically have a chance to take that I would take is Tilly. And that's if Tilly slips because of medical or whatever. Um, and Tilly, you know, he's not a pure center. I think he would fit well in Atlanta as a sort of do everything guy that we've already talked about just with where the Hawks are, I would not be looking to take one of the more plotting centers uh, at any point um, in the second round. And given where they, given where they pick, they're not going to have a, a chance to take Smith or Najee. Those guys are just not going to fall that far. I mean, maybe Tillman will fall that far. I mean, I, I would be incredulous if Tillman got that far, but considering where I've seen him in some mocks, maybe it's possible. And yeah, if he's there, you just, he's the best player available almost certainly. And you just take him, but uh, no one that's a great fit for the Hawks aside from Tilly that could be available there. Well, I agree. That's, I mean, I don't really see that. There's really no debate. I mean, you have Bruno is the third center right now. Really the, really the fourth center behind well, Collins yeah. because you, you got Fector and Collins. Collins. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, none of the guys we talked about would I say are, like, guaranteed to be better than Bruno. So – What's the mean? I, I was actually going to ask you, and let's just do that now. I was gonna, I was going to ask you where you would have Bruno on this list. Granted, it's not perfect. It's not a perfect uh, assessment. Uh, we've, we've already seen Bruno for a year, but I'll say this while you think about it: as a prospect before he got to the NBA, I would have probably had Bruno behind Tillman, behind Smith, and like maybe behind Tilly. If he Tilly with perfect medicals, I would have probably had him right behind Tilly. I think I would rather I think I would rather have Bruno than Najee in a vacuum as a prospect. But now after a year, Bruno, I probably would have him maybe right behind Najee. I still would rather have Bruno than Stewart, and I would rather have Bruno than Aturu and everybody else. So I think I'd probably have Bruno like fifth on this list. Yeah, I would have him definitely behind Smith. After that it's tough. I mean it's easy to look at these guys now and like think that there's something, but well, yeah, you got to remember it, it's it's really hard sometimes, and I'm guilty of this too. It's really hard yeah. to do this exercise, even just one year later, to try to remember what you thought about a prospect when they were a prospect, especially oh, yeah. with someone like Bruno that we've just watched so closely for a full year. Um, it's hard to take no, that out of your that's mind. Why <laughs> that's why I'm thinking about summer league. I'm thinking about like the first time I watched him play for the Hawks, and like I'm trying to ignore this season when I say this. Um, I would have him value wise. I would I would have him around Najee and Stewart. I don't. I would probably rather have Bruno than either one of those guys last year. Yeah. Now, now I don't know. I think it's you know take your pick. I think he's kind of in that level of like, and he's also like Stewart and Najee are also way younger. So I would probably. Yeah, I just want to give people a, yeah. a general idea because you know, you know, Hawks fans have now watched Bruno, so they kind of have that general sense of where these guys are locking up if they if they have not watched a ton of these players. Um, you know, before we get out of here, I'll, I'll we'll definitely have some final thoughts too. But we should talk about Tillman for a second. 
because um, we haven't really talked about him. We've just mentioned him. Uh, Xavier Tillman, Michigan State, uh, 6'9", 6'10", a little bit older, 21 years old. He's still a he, he was a junior. He, he might actually go back to school. That's still not official yet. But was a legitimately great defensive player at Michigan State. Um, he appeals to me in a big way for his defense. Really, really good defensive player. Just knows how to play. Really smart. Good screen setter. I think he, I think he'll be able to shoot it a little bit. Uh, he's a good passer. Like just a a guy who like uniquely appeals to me. If people listen to this podcast, know how I think how I think and see the game. You know, I think Tillman's a first round pick. That's how I feel about him. Is he going to be a star in the NBA? No, but he's just he does a lot of things well and very very few things poorly. And defensively, I think he really really helps you. So that that feels like a guy who is going to be a long-time quality NBA role player. And uh, at a certain point in the draft, that makes sense to me. No, I agree. I mean, I think as far as, like, just who's the best player right now, I think Tillman, you know, he's better than Jalen Smith. He's probably better than Precious. I mean, maybe Okongwu might be the only – Okongwu and Toppin are better than uh, Tillman right now. Other than that – I wouldn't feel confident saying any of the other bigs would be better than Tillman as a rookie. Oh, as a rookie, yeah. As a rookie, he, I think probably you could even argue him against Toppin. I mean, I, I probably wouldn't, but uh, yeah, I think as a rookie only, he would be probably third for me. Um, and right. even then, I, I definitely, I definitely have Tillman and Smith, but definitely Tillman ahead of Precious. And we'll get we'll get we'll get into Precious later, um, but. Tillman's a first round pick for me. Like Tillman and Smith are first rounders and Tilly would be up there as well if we knew about the health. But I think definitively for me, um, if I'm a GM in the twenties, I would definitely take Tillman or Smith. Agree. Yeah. I, I did a mock draft a couple of weeks ago and I got, or I got Smith like 43rd or something. It was insane. I mean, obviously that's not probably not going to happen, but in the draft like this where it's so, muddy i mean even at the top it's not really crystal clear um somebody good is gonna slip like somebody is gonna get you know a really good player in the 40s i think just because it's so like you look at one place and like you're saying you have tillman in the 20s and you look somewhere else and he's in the 50s and there's all kinds of guys where that's the same exact story and you can even look at someone like a coro who will be third on one board and 18th on another board i mean there, this draft is going to be, I mean, it's so far away, and the process leading up to it is going to be kind of like, you know, it's going to feel like it's never going to get here, but I think it could be one of the more unpredictable drafts. Oh, yeah. I mean, that I thought that's almost certainly going to happen just because of the uncertainty with the with the timetable, uncertainty with you know, pre-draft meetings and workouts, plus this being a super flat draft in general. And, you know, the bigs are probably even more uniquely um, fitting to this, what you just said, because there are so many guys who, for me, are kind of the same in different ways. I mean, they're not the same player, but they're in the same kind of range. So, yeah, I I could see wild variability. Like, there's always a pick or two that are like, wait, what just happened? And that might happen five times in this draft instead of two, instead of twice. Like you could right. see a guy that I have I have in the in the fifties go twenty two, and it wouldn't like blow me away in this draft. Or the opposite, like a guy like Tillman, for instance. Like you just said, like I I, I probably have Tillman around twenty. 
um, maybe even late teens, and he could go 45, and it wouldn't, like, blow me away, which is crazy, but there you go. It wouldn't surprise me that much. Yeah, I just think between all these, like, between Arturo, Perry, Carey, Azubuki, Richards, Diakite, one of those guys is going to end up being pretty good. I mean, that much four- and five-star talent. One of them is going to figure it out and land with the perfect team. And that's really like that's the same way Draymond, you know, panned out. He just went to the perfect team. And, I mean, I don't not saying any of these guys is going to be that good. But I think with a draft like this where you're not really sure about so many of the guys in the top 20, like it wouldn't even be that crazy if, if you know, Tilly was like maybe, you know, one of the best couple players from this draft if he stayed healthy. So I, I think these guys, whoever gets this part of the dra- draft right, like these big guys in this middle range here, uh, could definitely end up with, you know, someone on a really good contract for a long time. Yeah, there's there's some value to be found. Um, I, that's probably good for now. Um, just as a, as a final refresher i'll say what i think and if you disagree with me let me know i i think tillman xavier tillman and jalen smith are first round picks killian tilly is a late first that could even be higher than that if he was health if he was healthy um maybe and we'll see how the health stuff comes on that and then from there you get into uh zeke naji somewhere late first or a second um and beyond that you have a bunch of guys who were either mid 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 to late seconds or undrafted from isaiah stewart daniel Turu to Ido Gazabuki, Vernon Carey, Reggie Perry, and then you get into probably the undrafted two-way types like Nick Richards and Caleb Wesson and Mamadi Diakite. So a lot of interesting guys. We're going we're gonna to have a part two on this, by the way, just as a reminder with uh, talk about Onyeka Kongu, James Wiseman, Obi Toppin, and Precious Achua. But uh, any final thoughts, Zach? No, I mean, I, we generally agree on most of this. My probably hottest take Give it to me. would be, would be – uh, I would have Diakite ahead of Oturu. All right. Not, and, I mean, that's not, that's not crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, I, just, I get it. That, that's just my like personal bias. Like, I think he's I a could much play, more modern player. Like, much yeah, more. I could, I could play how I want to play with Diakite if he pans out like I think he will. He might, you know, just end up not being able to, you know, be in, playing in NBA. But yeah, that that's kind of like the craziest thing I could say. That actually kind of makes sense. I mean, some people, like you're saying, some people have Aturo near 20, and those same people probably have Diakite, you know, 70 or 80. So, <laughs> yeah. If you, uh, I'll say this: if you think that the, the Diakite is going to be a solid three-point shooter eventually, then I totally get it because he's a little bit older than you'd want, but he's much more versatile defensively, and like it's just a more modern player. Like, I get it completely. Um, the appeal of him, I've always kind of liked him. And listen, if the Hawks took the Akita at 52, I would not complain. I, I'm sure, I'm sure at that spot, I will have someone that I would rather have for the Hawks, but he would be perfectly reasonable and I wouldn't complain. Like most of the, just for, as a final thought about the Hawks, most of the guys that we've talked about at the end of the second round here, I think are just like do not draft for the Hawks. Like Stewart, Oturu, Carey, probably Azubuki. Uh, Wesson, like those guys are all just do not draft for the Hawks for me, um, just because of situation and 
not loving them in general, but it's not like the Hawks need a, need another big man. That's like a traditional, uh, maybe not super modern big man. That's not, that's not what the Hawks need right now. So, yeah. Final thought also would be if I wanted to bring in one guy, maybe as an undrafted or with that 52 pick, if you know, some of the other guys aren't there, if I wanted to bring someone in to push Bruno for his job and like really make him, you know, bust his ass in camp, I would pick Nick Richards. That guy plays with so much effort. He's strong. You know, he's always getting put back and ones. I just, if you just said, you know, we want to upgrade our backup center, whether Bruno gets better or whether this guy's better than Bruno, I think it would be fun to watch Nick Richards and Bruno go at it and just see who's better. Yeah, I, Richards got so much better <laughs> this year that it's not crazy at all. Like, and he's a legitimate seven footer as well. Like he's, I think he's, I think he's like 22. He's not super young, but you know, his jump shot kind of works a little bit. I'm not sure if it's through, I'm not sure if it's a three point shooting range, but he does play hard. Like you said, um, I'm not sure he's a great rebounder, which might hurt him. He's not a great passer either, but Richards went from a guy who like routinely got made fun of at Kentucky to being an all sec, like, really really good effective player this year it does scare me a little bit anytime that upperclassman like makes a leap like that that does kind of scare me but he does play really hard and i'm with you that like if you get if you can get him on a two-way like a lot of these guys if you get him on a two-way i would be fine with it like that definitely applies to richards that applies to i think wesson maybe um even someone like azabuki like or especially especially diakite like a guy like that, that you can they'll come in and play hard for you on a two way and might be able to be useful in an NBA game right away would not be a bad investment at all. Yeah, I, I just specifically for this role, I like I think although yeah. a lot of those other guys might get drafted and like I just I don't know what it is about Richards, but I could see him being one of those guys where like you put him in practice and like you know like this guy might be better than Bruno. <laughs> you just don't know until I mean like you said he's so much bigger and. I don't know. He's just a guy I like. Is like just bring him in, and you know, nothing to lose. For sure. Uh, all right, Zach. Well, uh, please tell people where they can find your work, and uh, at some point in the near future, we'll come back and talk more about bigs. But uh, plug yourself, my friend. Uh, you can find obviously my hawk stuff at Peachtree Hoops. Uh, my personal Twitter is at zhood underscore, and then if you like football. I'm an editor at Falcons SI, the Sports Illustrated Falcons. So, yeah, fun stuff going on. <laughs> Follow Zach, who is uh, always super enthusiastic. You can you can tell you can tell by the by the pain in his voice that he's really excited about the draft uh, here in June. And as, as I said before at the top of the podcast, before I brought Zach in, the draft's supposed to be today. Uh, for uh, you know, four months to go. Zach, just hold on, hold on for dear life. Yeah, well, I guess. We get four more months to uh, look at the same data that hasn't changed since March. <laughs> Listen, uh, a couple of guys are playing overseas. So uh, Denny and Luandro Balmaro are playing basketball. So we'll have a couple guys to talk about that have changed a little bit. But I'm generally with you. Okay, let's sign off for now. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please check out Zach's stuff. Follow Zach on Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. And we'll see everybody next time. <laughs>